gave his son. The greatest news in all of the world is that God loves man so much. He gave his son to die on the cross that we can sing, Jesus saves. Now, if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, if you've never been saved, saved from your sins, saved from the eternal judgment of your sins, you need to trust Him as Savior today, and He will save you. It's not a process. It's a decision. It's an act of the will to say, I put my faith and trust in Christ for salvation. If you're a child, a teenager, man or woman, you've never received Christ today, Today, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior. Romans chapter 2, verse number 4 is my text verse. And one phrase at the end of that verse, though I'm not going to take the phrase out of context, I'm going to preach the context. The Bible says in verse number 4, at the close of the verse, knowing that the goodness of God, and he's asking a question, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Did you know that the goodness of God would lead you to repentance? I want to preach on what that means this morning and the importance of it. Heavenly Father, every time I come to preach, I am well aware of how much I need, uh, Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit. I need you to direct and guide my mind and my words but occasionally there are truths like this that seem to me to be a little more difficult to, uh, to preach, to explain, to expound. And I pray this morning that uh, the best illustration would not be the words that I say, but would be the working of the Holy Spirit in the minds of the people. And Lord, I pray that we would listen with character by decision, and we would listen on purpose. And Holy Spirit, that you would help us to receive the truth of this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The goodness of God. I want to define two words to begin with in this phrase, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. First of all, I want to define the word repentance. What does it mean to repent? Well, first of all, to repent, we must recognize that our ways or our direction is wrong. And we stop and we turn from the wrong direction to the right direction. I want us to understand that. We can't understand the message without understanding the word repentance. It means to realize my direction, my ways, my words, they're wrong. And so I repent recognizing they're wrong and I turn to that which is right. The context of this passage is turning from my own righteousness, my own good works to the righteousness of God. I'm not going to heaven because of who I am, what I've done or what I'm doing. I'm going to heaven because of the righteousness of God that is on my account. I've turned from faith in me, my works, my goodness, who I am. I've turned from that to his righteousness. The Bible even talks about a sorrowful repentance or a repentance with tears. Sometimes we come to the realization my direction is so wrong and my direction is so dangerous. 
oh my, I could have ended up in a devil's hell and I, ret- and I turned from my uh, faith in my own righteousness to faith in God and with bitter tears I repent of my direction and I go in a different direction by faith in God. The second word I want to define is the word goodness. And the Bible asks the question, did you know that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? The first and most understood definition of the word goodness of God is the benefits or the blessings that God gives us. He is a good God, isn't he? And he showers us with blessings. In fact, there are some things that he rains on the just as well as the unjust. He is a good God. But if you're a child of God and you have the Holy Spirit within you, you've received many blessings and are daily blessed by the goodness of God. But there is another definition to the word goodness I think that's overlooked and helps us to understand this passage of Scripture. The goodness of God is not just what He does, but it's who He is. He doesn't do just good acts. He is good. Now that word good and goodness is found throughout the book of Romans where the Bible says there is none righteous, no not one. There is none good in God's sight. But God is good, he is perfect, he is just, he is holy. Are you with me this morning? Now some have defined this statement, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. They've they've defined this as meaning that the many blessings of the Lord leads a person to repent. I don't believe that's the context of this or the definition of the word goodness as is used in that one phrase. Nor nor do I believe that is seldom ever the case because typically the good things from God tend to spoil us rather than bring us closer to Him. Are you with me? America is in a spoiled state today and God's been mighty good to us and we have forgotten the blesser and we are enjoying the blessing. The prodigal son did not repent and leave the hog pen in the far country to come home to the uh, the safety and security of his father because of the blessings of God He came to himself, the Bible says, because of the consequences of his choice. He was hungry. He had nothing to eat. And the Bible said uh, he looked at the food that the hogs ate. And he was hungry, thought about eating that. And then he realized uh, that, that the servants of my father, they have bread enough to eat and despair, and I perish with hunger. So he didn't repent because of the blessings of God. And that's not what the word goodness would mean here. And I'll show it to you in just a moment in illustration form. But the prodigal son, he came to himself because of the consequences of his sin, and he repented and went back home. So when we look at the phrase, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, He's not talking about the things that God gives, but he's talking about as who God is. God is good, and when we see who he is, we recognize who we are 
and that leads us to repentance. Let me give you this illustration. Have you ever been proud of something that you did or something that you accomplished in life? And you were proud of that. You were excited about that. Only to soon be compared to someone else who did or accomplished more than you accomplished and made you feel really small. Are you with me? Did you get that illustration? Have you ever done something, accomplished something? You were, you were so excited and you started telling folks, listen to what I did, listen to this. And they say, well, that's nothing. I did that 10 years ago and I'm half your age. It's like, it's, it's like the preacher that went in uh, to a deacon's meeting and, and the deacons were just, I mean, they were excited, they were joyous and, and the preacher said, what's going on? And they pointed to a puzzle on the table that, that was a little simple 40-piece puzzle and they said, we worked that puzzle as a team in 20 minutes. The preacher looked at them surprised and they said, it says right on the box, two to three years. They thought they had accomplished something when the truth is they hadn't accomplished anything. Let, let, let me show you. Andrew, come up here just a minute. I want, I want to show you something. Hurry now. The Lord's coming. Uh, hurry. And uh, this Andrew Perry, he's a tough little fella. And we tried to send him home from school this week because he was sick. But he said, I ain't sick. Just because I have a fever of 100 doesn't mean I'm sick. Now, now compared to Andrew, I think if we got in a fight, if I could catch him, I think I could whip him if I could catch him, all right? And we often live our lives comparing ourselves to others that we choose that may would be smaller or weaker or inferior, all right? That's how we live our lives. I was going to bring up some little fellows, but they went to children's church, and, uh, and, and so I chose Andrew. Now, now, if you say, you would say, preacher, it wouldn't be fair for you to fight Andrew. He's younger and smaller than you. Let me, let me show you what it means when the Bible says, and the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Fighting him, put up your dukes. Don't swing. Put up your dukes. All right. Fighting him, I feel confident. Let me show you something. Brother Russell, come up here just a minute. Now, Robert Russell grew up in our church, and I knew him when he was just a little bitty fella, just a little bitty fella. In fact, he was a lot shorter uh, than me, and, uh, but he isn't now. Now we're talking to a fella. How tall are you, Robert? 6'5". Six five. Six five. <clears throat> Is that an airborne? Uh, okay. All right. I have confidence right now, all right? I think I can take him. I think I can. We're not going to try. Just I'm going to leave that in my mind. <laughs> all right? The goodness of God. He's so much more bigger and greater and stronger. I no longer have pride when I look this way. But the goodness of God leads me to realize I am not what he is. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now here's what the book of Romans tries to teach us. Come over here, Andrew. The book of Romans tries to teach us don't waste your life 
trying to establish your own righteousness by comparing yourself to someone that you are better than or bigger than or stronger than. Now, I, I, I could brag for a while. I, 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 I'm not going to do it, but if I said, Andrew, how much money did you give in the offering this morning? <laughs> that's nothing. You know what my ties were compared to that? But that's how we live. And we make ourselves feel pretty good. But when we come into the sinless perfection or we see the goodness of God, we recognize how inferior we are. Thank you, fellas. Did they illustrate what I'm preaching this morning? Do you see what I'm talking about? Now, go ahead. Give them a good hand. Clap for me that I decided not to fight either one of them. Now, here's the message. If you and I ever saw the goodness of God, if we ever saw the character of God, if we ever saw the holiness of God, if we ever saw the righteousness of God that would lead us to, Lord, have mercy on me. I am nothing. I have no ability. But the good thing is, God said, you don't have to have your own righteousness. I'll put my righteousness on your account. I'm not, hey, I'm not going to heaven because of who I am. I'm going to heaven because of who he is. Now take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 10. You'll find this all the way through the book of Romans. And this is a doctrinal message this morning. I want you to see it. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Let's begin in verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that what? Everyone that believeth. There are many illustrations in the Bible. I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 64. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah 64 is close to the middle of your Bible. It's a large book. Uh, Isaiah 64. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah looks and the throne is empty. The temporal throne is empty. The king Uzziah has ruled and reigned and in righteousness and strength for many years and now he is gone and Isaiah feels like there's no hope because our king has died but in that chapter Isaiah lifts his eyes to a higher throne one that's in heaven and Isaiah when he gets a glimpse of God he declares this woe is me then if you remember the story the seraphim takes a uh, uh, a burning coal or ember from the altar of God and he touches Isaiah's lips with that signaling the purifying of his lips and making him able to speak on God's behalf. Now I want you to go to Isaiah 64 and notice what the Bible says in verse number 1. 
Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence, as when the melting fire burneth. And he goes on to describe the greatness of God. Now look at verse number 6. But we are all as an unclean thing. That word as understands it's relative. It's a comparison to the greatness of God. As unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. I believe that the key to revival in my life and your life is not living my life compared to my deeds getting better than last year or my behavior better than someone else I could find that's less than me. But revival is when I look into the goodness and the greatness and the holiness and the righteousness of an almighty God I realize I'm still in need and I'm hungry for him. I'm hungry to please him. You can't have revival and pride at the same time. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says we must humble ourselves. I've had folks to ask me, how do you do that? I'll answer that this morning. You get a good glimpse of the goodness of God, of the greatness of God, and you realize my righteousness compared to him is as filthy rags. Go back now to Romans chapter 3. Back to our textbook, Romans, and go to the next chapter in chapter 3. Now, throughout the book of Romans, one of the themes is this, comparing God's righteousness to man's righteousness. Many working to establish their own righteousness. If you and I went out, knocked on 25 doors today and talked to 15 people and asked the question, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Uh, if you died today, more than half of them would say, I think so. And if you ask them, why do you think so? And they'll say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I don't do anything bad. I don't bother anybody. I pay my taxes as if you have a choice. I do what I'm supposed to do. I do what I'm supposed to do. And you think you're going to heaven. You know what you've done? You have established your own righteousness. But if, my friend, we looked at the goodness and the righteousness of God, we would conclude, as did Isaiah, my righteousness is, is as filthy rags. Notice what he says in Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that what? There it is again, that believe. What does that mean? It means I put my faith in the righteousness of God. Then he says this, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say it this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. If you think you can get to heaven and tell God, I deserve to come to heaven because I'm as righteous as you are, you have fooled yourself, you have been fooled, will not be compared to others, will be compared to the righteousness 
righteousness of God. And my dear friend, the best I can do comes up short. That's why this morning I chose as a five-year-old boy to believe, to trust in his righteousness. And he put his righteousness on my account. And that's why I'm going to heaven. Let me tell you the whole purpose of preaching. To see the goodness of God. We want to magnify who God is. We want to see who God is. There are four basic ways that we get to see God. Now you're not going to see him if you don't want to see him. You're not going to see the greatness and the holiness and the righteousness and the perfection of God unless you hunger, unless you want to see him. But in this passage of scripture he tells us the law or the word of God shows us the goodness of God. The prophets or the preaching of the word of God shows us who God is. Faith opens our eyes to see who God is. The Holy Spirit reveals who God is. And my heart's desire this morning is not to proclaim a person or the deeds of a person or proclaim the deeds of a church, but to proclaim to a church the goodness and the greatness and the righteousness of an almighty God. And when we do that, we can all move forward in growth and service for God. When you read the word of God, you see who God is. Let me, let me give an example. I'm going to give you some verses that tell you about God. Can I tell you something? God's word will change your life. I promise you. You say, I don't have that desire. I don't have that desire to serve God like others do. Can I tell you something? You start reading the word of God and the Bible will change your life. An amazing experience. Just in the last few days, I had a a political leader here in the state. He's a good man. He serves our state. But we had strong difference of opinion and disagreement on several issues throughout the year, throughout the years. And I would ask him, I want you to vote right on this. And this is what the Bible would say. And he would come back with an attitude. Uh, he came back with an attitude about marijuana and about just 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 different things, gambling, and and he said we need the revenue from gambling. And I understand that ga- that, that gambling does increase revenue. It does. It just costs a fortune to increase it. It's like going to the bank and borrowing a thousand dollars and feeling like that you're rich because you got a thousand dollars in your pocket. Hey, friend, you got to pay it back with interest. But anyway, I'm not going to preach on gambling. Come back tonight. No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not tonight either. Recently, we were working on an issue, and I reached out to him. He said, Pastor, I'd be glad to help you on that. I said, what do you think about this? And he, and, he, and he gave me not just a positive response, but a Bible response. I said, wow, something's happened to this guy. So I asked a friend of mine that knew him, and I said, you know this fellow? I said, I don't know if he's born again. Don't know if he's saved or not. But, but he's, he, there's a difference in his life. And so I asked him this week, did you get saved? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Here's what he said. Look at me. Here's what he said. I've been a Christian a long time. But for the first time in my life, for the last six months, I have been reading intently the Word of God. And he said, I've never had a fire burning inside to do right like I do today. You know what the Bible does? It turns you from someone who may appear to be less than you to someone who's greater than you. And you go from pride to repentance when you see the goodness of God. 
You ought to be a Bible reader. You ought to be a Bible listener. Hey, listen to the news through one time. It takes about three, four minutes to tell you all the bad news. Then they repeat it again and again and again and again. I mean, the weather forecast, they repeat it over and over and over. It's never right. But the Word of God's always true. I'm not saying don't listen to the news and the weather. I, I, we, we all do that, but I'm saying, dear friend, we cannot neglect reading of the Word of God if we want to see how great God is and we understand the passage of, script, of Scripture. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. For example, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Let that sink in. God said it and it happened. God spoke and the birds flew. He spoke and the trees grew. He spoke and the land was divided from the waters. Exodus 3.14 And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus, say, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am sent me unto you. Deuteronomy 4.31 For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he sware unto them. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Psalm 83, verse number 18. That men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, are the most high over all. You see, the word of God takes me from fear of the circumstances to faith in the God who doesn't just do good things, but is good, is great, is sovereign, is all-powerful. I'm saying today God's people need to see how great and good and mighty God is, and it brings all of life into perspective. Luke 18, 27, and he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. John 14, 16, Jesus saith unto them, Unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Colossians 1, 16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. He's a good God. He's a great God. He's a sovereign God. He's an all-powerful God. Get a look at who God is today. 1 Timothy 1.17, Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Titus 1.2, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. 1 John 4.8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I'm saying this morning, it will help all of us if we come to the place that we see how great and strong and mighty God is. 
Quit looking at our righteousness as compared to the righteousness of another and look toward an almighty God and realize, hey, I've got room to grow. I've got room to go. I've got room to move forward in my Christian life. And revival is not when I'm satisfied with where I am. Revival is when I seek to become more like him. The preaching of the prophets was to magnify God. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Let's close with this. Acts 26. Take your Bibles and go to Acts 26. Just before the book of Romans is a book of Acts. Acts 26, go to verse number 15. Saul of Tarshish. He's persecuting the church. He's putting them in prison. He hates Christ. The gospel of Christ, he hates it all. Acts chapter 8, Paul on the Damascus road is born again. You know why? Because he sees God. The Bible says it was midday. And then it says there was a bright light that shined from heaven. Now friend, if a bright light is brighter than midday sunshine, that will get your attention. And that's what Saul of Tarshish saw. Now fast forward to Acts chapter 26 and verse number 15. He's giving his testimony and I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Notice these words. To make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, notice these words, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. The great responsibility God has given me as a preacher is to preach God so great that you see the goodness of God and it leads us to repentance. Repentance from what? Faith in myself. Faith in what I can do or what I have done. Turning from that to faith in the righteousness of God. Where is your faith today? Is your faith in the righteousness of God, friend? If it's anything less or different, you need to put your faith in the righteousness and in the person of God. My job is to magnify God so much that we see him. It keeps us to the place that we're humble in his sight. Stand with me if you will. Heavenly Father, I don't know if I've succeeded this morning. I, I sure have hungered to. I sure have prayed to, and I can't see responses. Only you can see what's in the mind and in the heart. I pray that no one here would say, I'm going to heaven because I think I'm a good enough person. But they would see your greatness so much that they would say, I've come short of the glory of God, and I need to put my faith and trust in him. And then, Lord, not just as a lost person that needs to be saved, but a Christian living in the presence of an almighty God. 
May we hunger, may we desire to see that and to do that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. He's going to